Welcome to Living in the Glass, an exploration of Virginia wineries, breweries, and distilleries, searching for great pairings, processes, and influences on the growing industry in Virginia. Now, here's your host, Paul Helmuth. In this series of Living in the Glass, I got to spend time with Stephanie Pence from Bricks and Columns Vineyard in McGackiesville, Virginia. Bricks and Columns is nestled between the Blue Ridge and Massanutten Mountains in Rockingham County. In this episode, we continue to explore the vineyard and the red wines they offer, including the popular Curis wine that helps to benefit Curis Global. We also talk about their Jeffersonian architecture and the tasting room. We start off with talking about comparing different wines and how to train your palate for wine tasting. And one of our favorite things to do as we're starting out, and our children are uh, all of age to drink, but when we were first starting out, what we would do is get three bottles of 2016 Petit Verdot from three or four different vineyards and from across the state. And we would sit down and pour them out and say, what do you like about this? What do you like about that? What do you like about that? Can't you taste this in here? Can't you taste this in there? And to me, that is a great way to educate your palate, um, is to have that side-by-side comparison and, you know, to um, say, oh, I like this or I like that, or um, yes, I can taste that in there. Or sometimes you hit a wine that, um, this is kind of a negative, but not meant to be a negative, more to make a point about palates is, I was at a a, um, restaurant and did a wine and dinner pairing and one of those wines was a Cab Sauv from California, and it died mid-palate, and I had never felt a wine just nothing mid-palate like that. And so I came back and I was talking with um, Jake Bushing about that, and I'm like, Jake, you know, I was at this dinner pairing and had this Cab Sauv, and it just died mid-palate. And he looked at me and he said, was it a um, California Cab Sauv? And I said, yeah, it was. He said, that's typical of California Cab Sauv. And I, you know, it, your terroir in your region really does make a difference as to what how your wines taste and and where they are and um, you know we we all have different things we like and and not but it's it's so fun to be able to identify palates and you know to say yes I really tasted that in the front or the middle or the back of my palate. When I when I first started tasting and I don't remember who told me this they said oh don't ask other people you need to find those flavors what I have learned since then is that's not the case is if someone says they taste apricot drink it and see if you can taste the apricot because that will help you find those flavors and they have these tasting kits for wines and for liquors where you can get these the odor of chocolate and then taste it and see do you have chocolate in it so there's plenty of different wines of ways to do it i will tell you um, i have done for two years in a row now uh, bluestone vineyards Riedel glass seminars. Yes. And the fact that just the glass that you use changes the taste of the wine so much and where it falls in your mouth, whether it's up front, whether it's in the back, that makes a huge difference. And you would never think about that. I, yes, I I 100% agree. I am, I was not a believer in Riedel glasses and everything. And I was fortunate enough to go to a seminar um, that presented that and it was funny because Lee was sitting about three people away from me and I know Lee does his seminars and he swears by these Riedel glasses and I just thought you know a wine's a wine <laughs> really is it going to make that big of a difference the very first wine we tasted 
I texted Lee. I said, I'm a believer. It, <laughs> it was amazing. And I, so kind of an uh, ironic thing with all this is um, at that time, we had a daughter that was living in Rwanda and had very, didn't have access to anything. And um, so when I was driving to the course, I was telling her about it. And we're like, you know, our third world problem of having five wine glasses to choose from when she doesn't even have a glass. And I just kind of thought the, um, how ironic that was. But then after the, the seminar and just tasting the difference, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so I was talking with her afterwards about it. And she said, well, that peanut butter you sent me in a glass cup or a glass jar, um, she said, I use that as a drinking glass. And she said, my water tastes different in glass than it does in her, like, her, her water um, containers. And I, I thought, well, you know, <laughs> there really is a difference as to how what glass does and how what it provides. And um, so anyway, but yeah, very interesting. And that's one issue we have a lot with serving in plastic. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't feel like people are getting a true flavor of the wine. And we all we all would prefer it. And we when we sit around and drink here, we all pull out a glass and drink from it. That's right. And that's our, you know, our preference. But it's our germs and we're washing them. Um, but it's, yeah, it, the, the glasses really do make a difference, which is very interesting. So you have a 2018 Cab Franc. So um, if you recall, 2018 was not a good year for growing grapes. Um, that was a very wet year. Um, so we felt very fortunate that we, we got a decent red out of it. Um, so our Cab Franc is usually um, a little more heavy-bodied than what the 2018 is. It, um, it is aged in neutral French oak. So um, for me, it's hard. I, am, I like heavy, bold reds and whites. Um, and um, at first, the 2018 was a little light for me, quite honestly. But it is selling really well, and I think part of it, it's one of our few light wines, um, or a few light reds, because we do tend to do heavier reds. Um, so it is dry. Cab Franc has a little bit of peppery, pepperiness to it. Um, so, so yeah, we, we end up, are pleased with it. I was a little hesitant at first. You bring up an interesting fact that I don't think everyone realizes when we talk about agriculture and farming, we often think, oh, rain is good. With grapes, that's not necessarily true. So when you have less rain, you have a more concentrated flavor. So talk a little bit about that, because that does make a difference. It does, yes. So, um, so we do need some rain to nourish the, the plants. And you rain in the spring and early summer is actually a good thing, because it's going to help the plants leaf out. It's going to encourage them to be strong. Um, but what happens is when you, about a month before harvest, it's nice if it's a little dry. It, a little rain here and there is okay, um, but we prefer it to be dry. 2018, it rained buckets all except for, I think, about two weeks um, in the beginning of July. Um, and then we were also expecting a hurricane to come, and so everybody was quick we've got to get these grapes in because if we get too much rain, what happens is the, um, the berries will actually burst and their skins become thinner, which then makes them susceptible to diseases. Um, and then yes, the flavor is a little, it's a lighter. So that's why our Cab Franc is a lighter Cab Franc for 2018.
You mentioned that your husband was a doctor. Grapes are like humans, and intact skin helps protect you from disease. Same yes. with grapes. It, yeah, in 2018, we, everybody, we were spraying all the time because that we were just so many diseases we were susceptible to. Um, so it, it was a very challenging year. So your next wine, and I'm going to get this wrong, and actually it's two of them now, yes. though your website only says one, okay. and I discovered this Saturday, the 2018 Curris? Karis. Karis. And yes. Um, you have a sweet and a dry version now. Correct. And the reason I discovered this is I was going to visit some friends and when I told them I was coming here first, they said, oh, please pick us up three bottles of Curris to bring down. And so when I went to buy it, I asked, you know, I said, hey, I need to uh, buy uh, three bottles. And they said, well, which one? So then I had to ask them <laughs> and they go, no, if you're asking, they want the sweet because the dry is new. So yes. it, and the Curse has an interesting story because of the name and what it goes to. So tell us yes. a little bit about the two wines and then the story behind it. Yes, so, so we have our Curis Dry and our Curis Sweet. The wines are medium bodied reds. Um, they're a red blend, Chamberson is the base of it. Um, it's 2000, it's Chamberson, Merlot and um, Petit Verdot. So we vary it each year. Um, the, the sweet, the Kiris One, or the elephant Kiris, we call it, is, um, um, is very berry, very round. Um, it's, it's very popular, people like it. It's also a wine that we recommend um, serving cold when people are here in the summertime and they want a cold red. We always have some in the refrigerator, um, so it's just nice to have a cold red. The Kiris Dry, we ended up going with the Kiris Dry because people were requesting, people who supported the organization, which I will tell you about, um, were requesting a dry as well. So, and we just feel strongly about this organization, so wanted to go ahead and do a dry as well to support. So we have the dry is a giraffe. Um, again, it's a, it's a red blend. Um, Chamberson is the base of it, and then um, Cab Franc, Petit Verdot, Merlot, whichever, whatever we have that year is what we put into it. So, um, but Kiris is, it's Kiris Global Education. It's a locally based company. It, it was founded 20 years ago by two college professors. Um, one was a JMU tenured professor and the other was a professor in um, California. And they were doing AIDS education worldwide. Um, they developed a curriculum that um, is was to be taught. Um, they they teach it to leaders in the community and then is taught um, in the community. But it's um, AIDS prevention. 20 years ago, age, AIDS was much more prevalent and a little newer to us, so that was something very heavy on their heart. Um, and then they have developed to, they have a orphan care center in South Africa, um, and actually one of the poorest areas of South Africa, so Soshenguvi is the name of the town. Um, the Orphan Care Center is an after-school program. The children go to school and then come over to the Orphan Care Center, and um, it's a safe place for them to come and do homework. Um, they get fed a meal, um, and they stay there until about dark, um, which ends up being about six o'clock or so, and then they go home, which is when their families would be um, home. Originally, um, it was, 
it was for children that were double orphans, so orphaned by both their mother and father. And so they have what's called grannies raising them. And grannies can be an aunt, granny can be a granny. Um, and they're the ones in charge of them. So, so they're caring for them. Kiris also provides support for the grannies. Um, they um, are doing activities for them. Um, our um, church does, they do make these quilts. They're called Kiris quilts. Um, and they, um, they make them and send them over to the grannies. It does get cold in South Africa. Um, so they, a quilt is very welcome to them. Um, another cool thing that Kiris is doing is um, they just started a safe house. Uh, when girls lose the female figure in their family, they become very susceptible to sexual abuse. Right. And it can be by family members. And so they wanted a safe house to quickly put girls or boys in a safe environment. Um, so they've been able to do that. So Kiris is very much on our hearts um, and we, we very much feel it's important to give back to our community. And um, I like supporting local. Um, I like seeing where the money is going. And um, so this was just a really nice partnership. Um, part of it too was there is a South African artist, Adrian Swartz, does these really cool animal pictures that are often auctioned at their fundraiser. And I had thought when we were talking about this, if Adrian could design a label for us, um, we know wine sells wine, we know labels sell wine, and we know a cause sells wine. Um, and I think we've hit all three. Um, the artwork is just beautiful um, on, the, is, you know, on the bottles. And um, so anyway, so it, it's fun to celebrate Kiris. Um, we are able to raise quite a bit of money um, for them every year and are just very, very thankful for that. And they're very thankful for the partnership as well. Well, that's a great cause. And the, the bottles are exquisite, especially with the elephant and the giraffe on there. The 2016 Merlot. Yes. So um, our 2016 Merlot is a wine we partnered with Bluestone to make for us. Um, Michael Schaps makes all our other wines, but Bluestone, um, we, did our, um, we did the 2016 Merlot with them. Um, it is, we talked with Lee about it. Um, we did some blending with him. So that is, it's 40% in new French oak, 60% in neutral um, French oak. So we wanted just to add another red to our lineup and have a lot of respect for Lee and his winemaking. And it just, that partnership just worked out very nicely. And they partner with a lot of different organizations within the community and stuff. And I, they, mm -hmm. they do that very, very well. 2016 Petit Verdot. Yes, um, Petit Verdot um, grows very well in Virginia. Um, it, it's a grape that Virginia is being quite well known for. Petit Verdot was normally thought as a blending grape. Um, in France, um, it, was, it is used in the Bordeaux blends. Virginia has done an excellent job in doing it as a single varietal. And actually, we're getting quite a bit of recognition for that. Um, it's actually Petit Verdot, Viognier, and Petit Mansang doing those as single varietals. Um, 
And so anyway, Petit Verdot is a more tannic heavy wine. So tannets um, give wine mouthfeel. So sometimes if you feel like a wine might make you pucker or some people will say you know, when our wine is greener in bottle, they'll say it's almost chewy. Um, but it's just a very full-bodied red. Um, we age ours in 50% neutral, 50% new oak. The 2017 McGacky Red Reserve. Yep, and we call it McGahey. Yes, named after Mr. McGahey, um, and that is how you pronounce his name. Our town is McGackiesville. Um, rumor is during Civil War times, it got changed to know if you were from the north or for the south. I don't know if that's true, but it's a great story. Um, so, but yes, our McGahey Reserve is a red blend. Um, I believe this year is um, it's Petit Verdot. I think. Merlot and um, Tanat um, on it, and it's a full-bodied red. It's a little, it doesn't, it's not as tannic as the um, Petit Verdot, so it's a little softer and rounder on the backside of it. So we just think that's kind of just a nice full-bodied wine. The next one, and this says you're sold out, but I'd like you to at least talk about it. It's the 2017 Six Penny Postscript. Yes, so, and we will be releasing that on Friday. Again, that's, that's usually a very highly anticipated wine. We sell out of very quickly. So it is a port style. Um, so you cannot call a wine a port unless it's from Portugal. Um, the interesting thing is, and I believe my facts are correct on this, Horton is able to say they have a port because they named theirs before the Portugal AVA was established, so they can actually call their wine a port wine. Um, the rest of us have to call it a port style wine. So this is Chamberson grapes. Um, the one we're releasing this Friday will be fully estate grown. So Chamberson grapes picked, dried in a tobacco barn, again pressed, um, aged for 18 months in barrel. Um, it's fortified with brandy, so a little higher alcohol content. Um, so, um, but yeah, we call it our six penny postscript. Our last name is Pence. We have um, four children, my husband and I, so six pence. So the name of our farm is Six Penny Farm. And um, just we added postscript into it as often your port is kind of an afterthought or an after dinner drink. Um, so just call it our six penny postscript. So we're very excited to release that. And so it, it was delicious. We barrel tasted it before it went into um, bottle and just are thrilled with it. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll talk about the pairings of Bricks and Columns wines. When it comes to your wines, do you have any preferred pairings that you highly recommend? Um, yeah, some of them we really do. Um, so I will say for our sweet wines, our port style or our little M, cheeses is wonderful. I'm, I'm not a real sweet drinker, so I, I definitely prefer dry. That's why most of our wines are dry. But um, pairing the um, port style or the dessert style with the cheese is just kind of a nice finish to the evening. And is, for me, that's enough sweetness to be my dessert. Um, and so I, I love that pairing. Um, so other things like our Petit Verdot, I always say our Petit Verdot can stand up to anything, any 
anything strong and you know flavorful you want to throw at it, it's great because it's not um, it's not going to be overwhelmed um, by certain flavors. Petite Mansang is often thought of, um, so Petite Mansang is a white grape that we say behaves like a red. It has high acidity to it, so it goes nicely with foods that are a little more spicy or um, have a little more flavor. So like Indian foods or Asian foods, it pairs very nicely with, um, because the acidity is kind of a palate clen cleanser um, when you drink it. So, so yeah, those are some of our favorite pairings. So. so let's talk about bricks and columns. As you pull up to the farm, you will definitely, if you're from Virginia, <laughs> recognize the architecture. What can you tell me about the tasting room in this facility we're here at right now? So um, our building, um, so my husband went to UVA undergrad and graduate school. And he is a physician, um, but his second love is architecture. And he's always talked about if he ever would go back to get a second degree, that's what he would love to get a degree in. He had the, um, he was very fortunate in undergraduate school. He was able to class, take a class called Theory of Jeffersonian Architecture. And every week they would go visit a home that Jefferson designed in the Charlottesville area. And that was one of his favorite classes. Um, so we originally, we built our house in 2007. He did the basic design of it. We had an architect draw it up for us because he is not an architect, um, but he did the basic layout. Architect um, drew it up for us. And um, it is very Jeffersonian. It um, has columns, it has Flemish bond, we have herringbone, um, you know, brick structure. And when we were designing our winery, we wanted our winery to fit in well with um, our home. They're close to each other and um, just kind of wanted them to pair. So that's what when we were designing this, we wanted it to be very similar um, in stature. So. All right, so we have here a tasting room you have a, a meeting area mm -hmm. that i know on saturday i think was rented out for a wedding but you also have the columns at six penny which i don't think is this building i think it's the one next door correct it is yeah so the columns at six penny farm is actually approved in right now we're not doing overnight guests we do rent it out occasionally like for a rehearsal dinner um, or if just last week we had someone had a business meeting in there. So that is for smaller groups that we'll do. So for 50 or under, um, we'll rent out the columns at Six Penny Farm for that. Our winery building, we have a, a we call it our small tasting room, and then we have a larger room as well. Most days, if we're not having a wedding or event in here, it's all open and um, many days, especially when the weather is not nice, there are a lot of people that are sitting inside here. In winter, we can pretty well fill this up. Um, our bars are on wheels and so people will frequently say, you know, when we came in, um, or last time we were here, I think the bars were over there, they were over here. And we said, yes, it's always a moving target. We, we change it. It depends on what we're doing. Um, sometimes we rent out the small room. Um, if we've, we've rented that out like for birthday parties or showers and things like that. So we'll rent the small tasting room out for that and then just do all our tastings out of the large room. So it's been very versatile. Um, 
between the small and the large room, we have um, sets of doors. It's actually five doors that open up. So it kind of, we can open up both spaces. Um, currently we have our bars in the small tasting room. Most of the doors are open that we can see into the large tasting room. And um, so we can, you know, we can see if guests need anything, but yet give it a little more intimate feeling there. We also do our wood burning fireplaces. They are very popular when Wyatt's not sitting in the chairs and we're not <laughs> COVID. Um, the fireplaces are always very popular and they are some of the first to go and people will just come and sit there for hours and just enjoy. We, we have actually a regular um, couple that comes here every Friday night and um, they get here, they bring dinner and they park themselves in front of the fireplace and they stay there and then he takes care of the fire for us all night. So it's really nice. <laughs> and it's convenient for both of you. It is, it works very nicely. Well, and just outside, you have a nice patio that's actually covered. Even if it is raining, it's well protected that someone can enjoy outside other than if it's cold, super cold. Right. Um, but you have a lot of space here, beautiful views. You'd mentioned you can see both the Blue Ridge and the Massanutten Mountains here, which is just phenomenal views. So yeah, so we do have a covered patio and there is an outdoor fireplace there. Um, we have a patio space in front of the winery as well as we have a large flat lawn. Um, and people really like that to space out on. We do music events. Um, so on Friday nights, March through November this year, it's not gonna go that late will do music events out there and um, people can bring lawn chairs. Um, we set up tables and chairs. Um, for COVID, it's been great because it's so large, we can socially distance people. We put between 15 and 20 feet between tables um, and people have said they feel very comfortable being here and feel like it's a comfortable environment. Um, we also have our back patio. We um, recently, we added that about two years ago. So a nice um, flat stoned in area for that. And then recently we're, we're sort of opening up doing a little bit of publicity on is we actually have a secret garden right just below the parking lot. Um, it's a nice wooded area. It's very private when you get down there. You don't hear anything, you don't see anything and you feel very isolated. So we, we have a couple benches down there. We'd like to put a few more down there but just feel like that's a nice spot too for people to get away. And then the one other thing around our farm, so the field that surrounds our winery is about um, 60, 70 acres, and we have a walking path that goes around it. So it's about a mile and a quarter. And probably most days we get people that come out and walk it um, and really enjoy it. I've only been here twice, and I think I have seen walkers here both times because they were here either walking their dogs and walking around the paths. Yeah, yeah, that's been, um, I, used, I used to run, um, I don't anymore, but when I was younger I used to run and I would enjoy running around the fields and I would, I would often run the fields because then I could take the dogs with me and not worry about them running off and just being in this area. So I, we've always had sort of a, a path cut, but this year we've opened it up more and um, people just really have been enjoying it and so that's been fun to offer that to people. It's September of 2020, it's actually September 30th, going into October. How has COVID-19 changed what you've done this year versus the several years before? So many things have changed. Um, we, our small tasting room, we used to have a couple tables in um, and people would sit in there and they liked 
sort of that intimate feel in there. With COVID, we don't feel like we can do that. So we don't have any seating in our small tasting room. Um, I think maybe once or twice, we may have put one or two tables in if we can feel like we can socially distance them out of um, walking paths. Um, so we try to do more outside. Um, we always make sure we have plenty of tables outside. We ended up buying more plastic tables. Um, normally we have um, coverings on our tables. Um, we have tablecloths on, but um, with COVID we can't do that. So we bought more plastic so we can wipe them off and sanitize in between each. We normally use real glasses. Um, I'm not comfortable um, with our, for our staff and also for our customers using real glass yet. I, I know it's an individual preference um, and that's just what we're choosing to do at the moment. Um, so other things like we're, um, a positive thing is we are doing flights. So we used to always do tastings and we're not doing tastings anymore because you can't have people hang out at the bar. Right. Um, so we are doing flights and we're offering a red or a white flight. We really like that. People have really enjoyed it. So we've actually had some flight holders made for us um, from a local couple that um, makes things out of wine barrels. Um, so we're so excited to be able to use those and use our real glass whenever we feel comfortable. And I don't, I don't know when that will be. Now they do have a glass option because you can purchase a souvenir glass and yes. then pour the wine into that if you want it. So you yes. do have that as an option. Yes, we do. So, and things like, you know, we're wiping down after every use. Of course, we're always masked. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's definitely different. Music events, we're only holding outside. Um, we used to have the you know, option of holding it inside as well, but we just don't feel comfortable um, with it inside. Yep. Um, so just holding it outside. So that's so things have changed. I will say the community has been wonderful in supporting us. Um, wineries um, have the advantage on that we have so much space for people to spread out. We have about about 10 usable acres that people can spread it out in. Right. Um, and so I think we you know we do have an advantage with some of these things. Um, being a winery during COVID and that we, we are able to socially distance people. And we've, we've had, um, we, for 4th of July, we, we have a great view of the Massanutten Peak and um, Massanutten sets off their fireworks. Well, we have a terrific view of that. Um, so we will often have an event July 3rd when they shoot off fireworks and we have music and um, things. This year we were limited to 250 people, right. but we could safely socially distance 250 people, no problem um, with that. You brought up the glass thing, and because COVID-19 is a respiratory illness, glassware, utensils, things like that, have a higher probability of carrying disease. Sharing utensils becomes a problem. So this is a very safe way to take that precaution in by saying, hey, we're not gonna you know, put our staff at the risk of having to clean those dishes. Yeah, and that's what, and honestly, we've gotten a little bit of flack about it. People will say other wineries are using glass, and I just say, you know, as, as the owner, I, it's my decision. I'm not comfortable with that yet, and there will be a point when we are comfortable with it. Right now, we are not, right. um, and it, it's every, you know, we all have different comfort levels, so it's not that one's right, one's wrong. It's just we need to feel, we need to be at a place that we're comfortable with, and, and yeah, I just, I think there are too many 
touches. There, our glasses get about 10 or probably about six touches between you know, cleaning, rinsing, drying, putting on a rack, picking up, putting out, um, pouring, giving it to a customer. And to me, that it's just not worth that risk. Let's talk about how people can find bricks and columns. Yeah, so um, the best is to Google us, <laughs> look at our website, then do MapQuest or whatever you do, ways to get here. Um, we do have a couple signs out on 33 and um, others on our local roads to direct you here. A lot of times people say we didn't see them. The, we often get the comment, why don't you have signs on 33? And we're like, we do. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're, we're close to Massanutten um, and Massanutten is a lot of our traffic, especially during weekdays. Um, another interesting thing with COVID is we're getting a lot of people from the city coming out now because they're wanting to get away from the city to come to the country. And so they wanna come to a space where they can spread out. And so we get a lot of that. So a lot of cabin rentals and you know, Shenandoah um, locally. Um, website www.bricksbrixandcolumns.com. If you, I know a lot of people say they just hit local wineries or you know wineries closest to me um, in the Harrisonburg area, and um, we pop up with that. So, um, so yeah. And on your website, you did mention it earlier, but Wyatt the dog, who you may have heard here a couple minutes ago, does have his own blog. Yes, he does talks about what he has heard here so they can go and explore that as well. Yes, and it, it's actually very informational. Um, so a confession is Wyatt is actually, he conveys the information to one of our staff um, who is an English teacher. And so she puts it in very, very good um, form. So, but her and Wyatt will sit down and talk a little bit and decide what, what needs to be written about. So. Well, that's good. And, and for those who don't know, Wyatt came in here a couple minutes ago. He is actually sitting in one of the big leather chairs, just uh, resting. Yes. So he came in, said hello, and then walked over to his chair and, and sat down. Yes, that's, that's his chair. That's where you often find him. I want to thank Stephanie for letting me visit with her. You can find the vineyard at 1501 Dave Berry Road in McGackiesville, Virginia. Their website is bricksandcolumns.com. And bricks is spelled B-R-I-X. You can also follow them on social media. They're on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in learning more about Kiris Global and their mission, you can visit their website at Kiris, that's K-E-R-U-S global.org. October was Virginia Wine Month, and the vineyards had plenty of activities, but also many of them highlighted some new releases. Be sure to visit your local vineyard to see what they have that's new. If you liked the episode, make sure you subscribe so you know when the next episode drops and share it with your friends. If you have your favorite brewery, winery, or distillery, let me know what it is. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to Living in the Glass. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps. If you have ideas of places you'd like to hear more about or just want to reach out, you can email Paul at paul at livinginthe Until next time, cheers. <laughs>